Welcome back to the program, hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. We are glad you were with us. Badgers get a nice win last night. Knock off the Iowa Hawkeyes. They go to Maryland, then they come back home for a big matchup against uh, the 13th-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes back at the Kohl Center. So a good matchup coming up next Thursday out there. The Packers, in the meantime, they continue to get ready for the Detroit Lions and then ultimately the postseason and the run to uh, possibly a Super Bowl. Joining us now for the Packaday Podcast and PackerReport.com, uh, Andy Herman now joining us on the hotline. Andy, how you been? Hey, Bill. Great to talk to you again. I've been doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. I guess uh, the biggest question is who are they going to get back and when? Give me your thoughts on – we'll start with Bakhtiari and Jair, Josh Myers, Billy Turner, and do they see Zedarius at all? We'll go through those guys. Yeah, great question. So uh, – here's where I've kind of been. I think they're going to get obviously like Randall Cobb, Jair Alexander, I think are are pretty decent bets for that divisional round game. I know they want to see David Bakhtiari this week. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I still think if they give him a couple weeks and he's able to play in the divisional round, that they would give him the opportunity to start over Yash Naiman if that comes uh, to fruition. So I'm going to say all three of those guys are back divisional round. I'm going to say Myers and Turner would potentially be a little bit after that, maybe more, around like the you know NFC championship game, assuming they would get that far. And I, I've sort of been on the, the same page all along of, you know, with Zedarius Smith, until I see him out on the field, I'm going to take the approach that I'm going to expect that he's played his last snap as a Green Bay Packer. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that he makes it back at some point. I know Aaron Rodgers has made mention of that, that maybe they are able to get him back. But uh, the fact that he's not practicing, the fact that uh, everything around him has been, you know, shrouded in mystery, um, something just has seemed up with it the entire time. And maybe it's just a legitimate back issue. And we know those can flare up and be an issue. But until I see him back on the field, I- I'm going to kind of continue with the idea that he's played his last down as a Packer. Do you think it was a back issue or do you think there's something else? I mean, because there's been a lot of people that have had speculation about why he, I mean, granted, the 18 snaps that he played in the opener, he didn't look good. He looked like he was slow. He looked like he was stiff. So I get it. But is there something else shrouding all of this, do you think? I think the overarching is probably some sort of back issue. I think that, you know, probably the the most realistic answer is probably the easiest one. But it still has seemed like something has been up and off and, you know, him not you know necessarily spending the entire time with the team. There was contract questions prior to the start of the season. And again, I'm not saying any of that's the, the case. I, you know, the, again, the most likely scenario is just that it's a bad back, but um, everything just has seemed a degree off. And the fact that, he, again, he hasn't been practicing, all of it just seems to me like potentially he's played his last down in Green Bay. What about Jair? How close do you think he is to coming back, or do we see him on the field this weekend? Yeah, I think he's going to be a divisional round guy as well. I think, the you know, again, if they have the opportunity to get the, him out there and play a few snaps this weekend, maybe that could be the case. But I, I think they're just going to want to be as cautious as possible. And, and maybe they get him in a handful of snaps just to get him some game time. But uh, I think giving him that extra couple of weeks, letting it heal a little bit more and getting him ready for that divisional round and, and not maybe taking a hit to the shoulder that could potentially, you know, knock him out for an extended period. I think it just makes more sense to hold off on him. I think when you're talking about a guy like Jr., yeah, the, the shoulder's a question mark, but he knows how to cover regardless, right? Like, yeah, maybe some of the tackling stuff could come into play, uh, but I don't think there's any question that if he gets out on the field, he's going to be able to shut down his side of the field from a pure coverage standpoint. His shiftiness, his athleticism, that's not going to change based on his shoulder. So maybe you don't play him in the slot because that could open up more tackling and more issues for the shoulder, uh, but I still think he's able to get out on the field, hopefully come divisional round in some capacity. 
Talking with Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. So now the next question is, how much do you play Aaron Rodgers? I, I'm watching all the talking heads. I mean, uh, I was watching the four-letter network today, Fox. I'm also watching the NFL network, and they're all saying there's no way in hell they would play Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron is hell-bent on playing, and I think 99% of me says he will be playing on Sunday. So how much would you play him? Yeah, I expect him to start. I think maybe he gets a quarter, maybe only a couple drives if they go out and play well those first couple drives. I'm sure they would love to get you know off to a strong start, which has been something they've struggled against Detroit, especially in Detroit, and certainly struggled with this season. So getting off to a nice, quick, fast start, maybe getting a couple touchdown drives and getting them out of there it would probably be ideal, but I do expect to see him in some capacity. Um, I do think Matt LaFleur and, and Aaron Rodgers messaging has been clear sort of all along since even the post game press conference from last week, that uh, could certainly be, you know, just for show and maybe they don't play him at all. And maybe they don't risk his toe. And, and that could certainly be the case as well, but I would not be surprised if we see him out there in some capacity, but I, I'd be surprised if it was more than a quarter. Devontae Adams, how much would you play him? Obviously, you're going to get him the record, but do you give him a full dose of a couple of catches, three, four catches early, and then get him out? Or do you, you know, a half? How long do you play Devontae? What I would really like to see here is in, in, everything in lockstep with, with Rodgers. If the starters are out there, if Rodgers is out there, if Adams is out there, then play them together. And when you pull one, pull the other ones, whoever you want to keep safe at that point, do it all at the same time. I think you almost risk more injury if all of a sudden you introduce a variable, in this case, Jordan Love, right? If you just bring Jordan Love in and you keep everything else status quo, all right, now maybe he holds the ball a little bit longer. Or maybe he, you know, throws a ball over the middle that normally Rodgers wouldn't throw and, you know, Adams takes a big hit. I think anytime you in- introduce a variable like that, it just kind of puts everyone at a little bit more risk because they're not playing with their within their normal rhythm and the normal consistency as they would with everyone out there. So if you're going to sit Adams and Rodgers, then you know sit the other guys that you want to protect, but do it all in lockstep together. So if Rodgers plays a quarter, then let Adams play a quarter as well and kind of have them joined at the hip a little bit. So here's my next question, and we were talking about this earlier, because you got Jordan Love, who has got all the starters reps going into Kansas City, and nine straight weeks he's been taking starters reps now. I'm excited to see what he's been able to accomplish and how much more polished he looks. Are you anticipating and really looking forward to seeing what Jordan Love can do? Because you know he's going to get at least a half a half's worth of play in this contest. Yeah, unquestionably. And, you know, I know he, we got a little bit of Jordan Love this past week, but, you know, that's in sort of unexpected time and just sort of in garbage time. But you know that he's going to be preparing in some capacity to play uh, this week, it, likely at least a half, if not three quarters. And I, I do think that that's probably the outside of keeping an eye on injuries for this game for Packer fans. It's probably the one A thing that you're keeping an eye on. Maybe you want to watch some of the records or things like that. But how Jordan Love looks is so incredibly important, regardless of what Green Bay wants to do with Aaron Rodgers, right? Because if they want to extend Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, you can play four or five more years, and they decide that maybe they're going to move on from Jordan Love, I don't know that that's the case, but certainly him looking great helps you if you do want to potentially move him to another team and give him an opportunity to start. If he looks amazing, then maybe that changes your calculus as you look at this offseason as well. I think the biggest thing that you can have as Packers decision makers is as much information as possible to make the most educated decision and getting as much of a look at Jordan Love certainly allows you to do that. I still expect them to pursue Aaron Rodgers this offseason with, you know, every ounce of their uh, being to make him that, you know, he's a Green Bay Packer this year and moving forward. But either way, you want Jordan Love to look good. You want him to look better because that's ultimately what's going to be best for you, whether you keep him or if you trade him. 
Um, when you talk about the possibility of, of getting Aaron Rodgers back, and I know it, it all comes down to money, I and mean, we have to be honest about with it, you know, because um, he's going to make a ton of money, and they're already way over the salary cap. But is it just as uh, – because Rodgers said it's not about the money. Do you expect Rodgers to say, you know what, let's just tear up the contract, let's rewrite it, and let's uh, I'll take less money to stay? I think there'll be if he, assuming he stays, which I'm leaning towards that way as of now, but I still think this could take a million different bends before we get to that point. Um, I do think that he redoes his contract, but I think that's more of an effort to push money down the line and uh, open things up for you know uh, another window uh, with him coming back and making sure that potentially they could keep a Devonte Adams and even with him you know signing a, a lesser deal and pushing money down down the line that doesn't necessarily make things easy for bringing this you know, team back together, there's going to be a lot of really difficult decisions for Brian Gutekunst to be made, but I would be very surprised if his contract stayed as is and he came back. I think in some capacity, he's either going to rework it to push money down the line. They probably give him some additional money and bonuses and incentives. I think we're going to see it reworked in some capacity. The uh, defense, you know, I, I, I talk about the defense and the ability to stop the run. They're tackling. They're still the number one tackling team uh, via pro football focus in the entire NFL. Is that the deficiency right now going into the postseason, the ability to, con- to continually stuff the run, specifically late in ball games, Or uh, is it maybe, you know, when you're talking about playing a, a playoff contender, are you talking about, the say, the first quarter woes for the offense or special teams? What right now concerns you the most heading to the postseason? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'd like to see Green Bay get off to some better starts and not have to maybe fight back down from 7 nothing. I think you consistently get yourself in that situation in the playoffs, and you just open up more opportunities for all of a sudden you're down 7 nothing and now a big fumble, and now all of a sudden it's 14 nothing and you're playing from behind, and the entire calculus of the game changes. So I'd like to see that improve. Uh, special teams is certainly always going to be a concern. I might be crazy, Bill, but I'm not super concerned about the run defense. I know that game uh, against Cleveland looked pretty awful, uh, but outside of that, that was the only time they've allowed a, a running back individually to go over 100 yards all season long. I think, as you mentioned, they're the best tackling team in the NFL. I think they've been much more gap sound. I think you watch them set the edge and really funnel everything back inside much better against Minnesota and sort of course correct after that game. I could be totally wrong, and maybe they get run over by some team in the playoffs, but I have a lot more confidence in this Packers run defense than I think other people do. What team is most likely to really give them a headache in the postseason? You know, it's an interesting question. I think anytime Brady's out there, that gives you a headache. He gets rid of the ball so quick, and it just changes everything in your defensive approach. And he's just, you know, he's so ultra-competitive, and uh, his teams generally rally around him. So Brady, I think, is always, uh, you know, just somebody that you fear come playoff time. Uh, Dallas is the the really interesting one to me, and I think that's still a game that Green Bay wins, and I would pick Green Bay to win heads up. But I think there's some interesting things that Dallas does. I think Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons – Coming off the edge, especially if Green Bay's not healthy along the offensive line, I think that's something that you could look up as a matchup that could be dangerous for Green Bay. I think Trayvon Diggs and his ability to pick off the ball and get turnovers and that defense being opportunistic. If all of a sudden Green Bay loses a turnover battle in a game, that's something that could flip Green Bay. Um, and I think Green, you know, Dallas has a similar setup of wide receivers you know, with, with uh, Cooper and C.D. Lamb that Minnesota presented in the game where they struggled to stop them defensively. I think there's some questions that Dallas can ask that, you know, Green Bay is maybe going to be a little bit more challenged to answer than maybe other teams have at this point. Talking with Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast, joining us uh, on the hotline. Um, so I, I had a friend of mine, you tell me if you think this scenario is, is even plausible. 
But you've got, uh, during the bye week, you've got uh, Nathaniel Hackett's going to interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The the thought in Florida is that he then leaves. Rodgers loves Nathaniel Hackett. They put a trade together to send Trevor Lawrence to the Green Bay Packers, bring that down Aaron Rodgers, and then, because they're $70 million under the cap, they have enough money to go after a guy like Devontae Adams. Do, do you think it's even plausible? Yeah, I, I think it probably not, but I'm at the point now with all of the offseason transactions and the quarterback carousels and certainly with what we saw from Rodgers this past offseason, I'm certainly at the point where nothing would surprise me anymore. Um, My guess is if there's going to be a quarterback in Green Bay next year not named Aaron Rodgers, it would still be Jordan Love and they'd give him that opportunity. I could easily be wrong there too, and again, nothing would surprise me. And it just feels like to me that there has been some real reconciliation between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers this year where things are in a much better position. You can see them, uh, him and Brian Gutekunst even talking and almost goofing around at times at practice. I just think they're in such a better spot. Rodgers has spoken about it. I'm right now leaning towards him being back, but – I can't say it enough. Literally nothing would surprise me anymore. Yeah, I think Rodgers is going to be coming back as well. So as much as people want to, you know, kind of talk about it, and it makes great radio, don't get me wrong, but I believe he's going to be coming back. You can't let the guy walk away. I don't think there's another situation out there that he would say, this is better for me than what I have in my own backyard, right? It's the best situation for Green Bay, and it's the best situation for Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes that doesn't mean that that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but Rodgers quarterbacking this team, he's been all about legacy all along and cementing his legacy as a franchise quarterback for the Packers. You know, he mentioned before this all happened. That's what he always wanted. I think that's what he was sort of upset about is that he wanted to be the, uh, you know, a, a career ender in Green Bay, be a lifetime Green Bay Packer. And Green Bay wasn't reciprocating that. I think now they're in the, the mode of reciprocating that. I think they realize that that's best for them as well. And, and hopefully that's what ends up happening for both parties. Uh, do the Packers get a win this weekend? I think they do. I mean, again, this is a coin flip game and a borderline exhibition game. And we know that Dan Campbell's team is going to fight and, and, you know, tooth and nail to win every game, regardless of if it's best for them or not. So I think Detroit will give a good challenge. And I don't think Green Bay is going to keep their starters in a lot. But I think they're going to really try to get off to a fast start with Rodgers, get those starters out of there. And I think hopefully that bakes in a a big enough lead that, that Love and the rest of the crew will be able to kind of maintain. I think Detroit maybe will check out of this game at some point as well. We'll see. But uh, it should be semi-entertaining considering it's still an exhibition game. But uh, I like Green Bay in the end. I do too. Andy, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go. Andy Herman of the Pack a Day podcast. You can find his stuff at, at Andy Herman NFL on Twitter, at Andy Herman NFL over there on Twitter. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program, hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show, and we are glad you're with us. On this Friday, Packers looking to round out their season. They have locked up the number one seed in the NFC. And now you're just trying to get through the next game uh, unscathed. You're going to have your starters play, which is still a little bit uh, astounding, but uh, Aaron Rodgers says, hey, uh, you know, don't want rust over rest. And Devontae Adams, 22 yards away from setting the franchise record, so he wants to play. So a lot of the starters are going to play in this contest. But you've also got the Lions team. They've got a couple of wins. They've got some pride. They're playing for their head coach. We bring in now the uh, radio play-by-play voice 
of the Detroit Lions, Dan Miller, now joining us. Dan, how you doing? I'm well, Bill. How are you? Doing well. Um, let me ask you, the uh, what is the mood right now? Is This is the last game of the season for this team that has fought so hard and been close in so many contests. Just It took them a while to figure out how to get a few wins, but give me the mood of that team right now. Well, I think you got a lot of young players who understand that this is a big game for them. It's, it's a final opportunity to make an impression on this coaching staff and the general manager, Brad Holmes, and his staff as they kind of close up shop after this game and get ready for an offseason where there's going to be a lot of changes. And I think the, the mission of a lot of the young players has been to show that they're part of the solution and not somebody that needs to be replaced. So um, you can look up and down that roster and see a lot of young guys that have proven that they're going to be a part of this thing going forward, but also some that still have questions to answer. And I think this is an opportunity for them to put something else on tape for, for – management to consider as they move into the the part of the process where they decide who stays and who goes so there's a lot left for these guys to play for individually and i think as a team um look the the mood was always pretty solid even when they were losing and and they were playing hard for their head coach but you could really feel it pick up when they won a couple of games and came out of the bye and played better football and i think that's kind of how they want to go out they didn't play well in seattle last week and i think they'd really like to do more to leave on a a better note than certainly they had seven days ago outside looking in uh just reading some of the quotes from some of the guys in the detroit free press and hearing some of the pressers it seems like not only do they play for themselves they really play for their head coach is that the sense you get yeah there's no question i mean I, i think this guy came in and dan campbell set a tone at the beginning i think he and brad holmes um in terms of of what they projected for the organization said look we're, we're not coming in here this isn't a one-year fix and i think if you look at what they did they didn't go out and spend a bunch of money to bring in free agents that would help them win five or six games or something like that i think this was purely a year where they were going to look at what they've got and try to figure out what they need and i think they didn't have a lot of experience with these players last year and i think they could look at them on tape but i think more than that they wanted their coaching staff to get an opportunity to work with these players because it's coaching staff they really believe in and they wanted to get their coaching staff an, an ability to make decisions on these players to try to make these players better and i think now they have a much better idea of what they've got and as far as the players look They've played hard for Dan Campbell from day one. Uh, they seem to love this guy. I think it was really important that, that they saw some positive results at the end of the year. Maybe it doesn't change what has to be done when the season ends, but at least from their perspective, they can look at it and say, you know what, all this hard work we're putting in, the direction that he's taking us, we can see some of the results. It's tangible, and I think that that allows them to move forward with more confidence. So, yeah, I think – Look, for a two-win team, the feeling around here is pretty good because they're doing what has to be done. They needed to gut this thing and and really build it from the studs up and build it on a solid foundation, and that's what they're trying to do. It's not an overnight process. It can be a quick process, I think, in this league, as we've seen with other teams, but they have to do it the right way, and there really are no shortcuts. That was going to be my next question because I've said all along – Sometimes you to, to get rid of the stench of losing, you got to just tear everything down, regardless of who is positive and who is negative. You just got to get rid of the stench of losing. Do you feel that this was that season where, like you said, they tore it down to the studs? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, look, the moment you traded Matthew Stafford uh, was an indication of where you're going with this thing. And 
look, when Matthew was here, there was always that temptation to say, man, we got this quarterback. If we can just get two more players, we're going to be right where we have to be. And it just never worked. I mean, there was, you know, some decent years, some, you know, seasons where they made the playoffs and things like that, but just nothing sustainable. And I think that they, you know, new regime, new head coach, new coaching staff, new, you know, general manager, new staff under him, they all just decided, you know, it, it's time to turn the page on this thing. I think Matthew was definitely ready to turn the page on this thing. And that's that's really what they, they had to do. And, and um, look, there's some talent on this team, and there's some young guys on this team that are coming along. And offensively, they're not far away at all. Um, so you can see where, where the outline is of, of a possible turnaround that they could be significant next year. Now, you've got to make some big moves. You've got to have some luck in terms of injuries, which they've had none of this year. Um, and, and then you've got to put in the work and, and hope guys are who you thought they were. But um, this was the time to do it because they had been through 12 years of, of believing they were close because they had the quarterback, and it just – proved not to be true and there was just too much needed on this club to go into a year with quarterback in 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 season number 13 and think that you were going to rebuild this thing on the fly and it just uh, they made the right decision in my mind to let Matthew go try his luck elsewhere and for them to just kind of take this thing down and build it back up uh, Jared Goff, it looks like he is going to play in this one. I, I, from what I understand, he's had a couple of good practices this week. Looks like it. Yeah. I think, uh, all indications from the coach today were that barring a setback, he will play in this game. And, and that kind of is, you know, uh, emblematic of, of what they've done here late in the season. I mean, they brought DeAndre Swift back last week after he'd been out and certainly in some people's eyes it would have been just as easy to shut him down, but I think they're trying to get guys playing time. I think they're trying to, to finish this season out the best they can. They're already locked into the first or second pick in the draft. So um, I think if Jared is ready to go and has no setbacks or swelling or more problems with that knee, I think he'll finish out the season uh, and at least get the start on Sunday, and we'll see where it goes from there. In a quarterback-driven league, is Jared Goff the future or is he a placeholder? I think that's a good question, and I, and I think it's been difficult to answer this year because of the cast that surrounded him. Um, they were so bad at wide receiver for much of the season. We knew going into the year that it was going to be a weak position, and then they lost Tyrell Williams in the first game, who was supposed to be their best receiver. Brashad Perryman, a guy they rolled the dice on, never even made it out of camp. I mean, uh, and then uh, Quintus Cephas, who you guys know out there from Wisconsin, was supposed to be a guy that was taking a big step this year. He got hurt. So, I mean, they were just gutted at wide receiver. And then, you know, they were able to pick up Josh Reynolds on waivers. And Amon Ross St. Brown has come on big time. And all of a sudden, you saw Jared Goff's performance go up significantly. And they started to win some games, really compete, coming out of the bye. And I think when you see that, you see the team's ability to run the ball, um, knowing that this offensive line will remain intact and you get Frank Ragnow back next year. I, I think there's a lot of optimism uh, about what golf might be able to do with the cast around him. But, but I think, look, to be fair, I don't know the answer to that question and I'm not sure they do. Um, I will tell you the two top guys in personnel, GM and his top assistant are both from the Rams. They know him. They went and got him. I think they believe in him, but I think next year is probably the year 
where they make that ultimate decision. They have two number one picks this year, two number one picks next year. Doesn't appear to be a quarterback at the top of the draft this year that you would pick. So do they take a developmental guy somewhere along the way? That's possible. But uh, there's virtually no doubt in my mind that Jared Goff is the quarterback week one next year, and he's going to get the opportunity to prove that he is that guy. Talking with Dan Miller, the uh, voice of the Detroit Lions, joining us on the hotline. So moving forward, and you talk about the draft and having high draft stock this year, what is it they need that uh, – what is it the Lions need to continue to ascend? You know, I think if you look at their offense, you can make a case that they need a number one wide receiver. And obviously they don't grow in trees, but they, they need a stud. They need a, a guy that can be their best receiver and then let Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Josh Reynolds and Quintez Cephas fall in line behind him. And then I think you're, you've got a real nice receiving core. TJ Hawkinson comes back at tight end. Your offensive line is set. You're fine in your running back room. And Goff is, is the quarterback. So, uh, you know, really, I think given health, uh, they do have to re-sign Josh Reynolds and finding some way to get a top receiver. I think you're, you're good on that side of the ball. I think defensively is where they need a lot of work. They, they need some alphas over there. They need difference makers. They need guys that when Aaron Rodgers comes to the line, he's got to locate that guy and figure out what he's doing. They need uh, a guy that helps make up for other players' mistakes and a guy that makes other players better. Uh, they just don't have big play guys. Uh, on that side of the ball, in particular on the defensive line. They really need a defensive end that can get after the quarterback, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. They, they need that. Probably look at linebacker. And then, you know, they really, they've really they got some possibilities at cornerback, but they got guys coming off injuries, and that's, that's going to be something they're going to have to weigh. So I, I think if you look at it big picture, I, I really believe that offense is, is a wide receiver Good wide receiver, and I'm talking, you know, stud, uh, away from being set, and then that defense needs a pretty significant amount of work. How different is this division going to look next year, do you think? Oh, wow. Because, yeah. I mean, I I think no Matt Nagy, you would assume. Uh, yeah. Do they let go of Mike Zimmer? Does Kirk Cousins stay in Minnesota? Do they let him go? Is Aaron Rodgers back? I mean, if there's no Rodgers – New coaches in Minnesota, no Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Matt Nagy's gone with Justin Fields. Jordan Love's under center in Green Bay. My goodness, things change in the in the NFC North. Yeah, it does. We were having this conversation the other day. I mean, the, the Lions could be, you know, uh, among the most stable teams in the division, if not the most stable, just because of what everybody else might have going on. And that's no disrespect to the Packers. But, look, if you don't have Aaron Rodgers, that changes things dramatically and, and – um, you know, well, that would certainly put them in a much different position. Chicago with a new head coach, much different position. Minnesota with a new head coach, maybe a new quarterback, much different position. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that we jump ahead of everybody, but it does, you know, throw a lot of things into the mix that, that could make it interesting. So, look, uh, just being honest and, and using we as just somebody who's, you know, broadcasting the games – we can't worry about what anybody else does. I mean, the Lions understand what they have to do. They have work to do. They're, they're, if they don't do their work, they're not catching up to these other teams. So if these other teams step back, step sideways, whatever happens, um, the Lions know that their work is to get better, to make themselves better. And look, I, I, 
I believe that, that with the right moves, you can go from two wins to, to being much more relevant next year, whatever that means. But, but make significant improvements because, you know, two could easily look a lot different this year, losing on a 66-yard field goal at the gun, a 54-yard field goal at the gun. You know, being in the red zone and a couple of losses for the final series of the game and not being able to convert. They're, they're, they're closer to having a better-looking record but that also can't delude you into thinking that you're necessarily closer to being where you want to be because you have to your your roster has to dictate that and the roster has to be better. I think this coaching staff, I think this head coach have gotten a lot out of this staff. They've brought the, this roster, I should say. They've brought a lot of these young players along. They've improved some of these young players. They've made them viable. They've made them guys that that you believe can be part of the future. But that has to continue. It's just the first step in, in, in a pretty significant process of trying to get from, you know, the start of a rebuild to the point where you can actually compete. But to your point, I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason within this division. Dan, real quick before I let you go, um, obviously Hub Arkish set the world on fire when he said he wasn't going to vote for Aaron Rodgers as the MVP. Uh, you know Hub. I know Hub. Uh, it's you know he's very you know, strong opinion, and he has a right to his opinion. But is Aaron Rodgers in your mind the MVP? Aaron Rodgers, and I'm pretty sure I've said this to you before, might be the best quarterback I've ever seen. And I have such incredible respect for him, uh, despite the fact that he's made my life a living hell since he's been the quarterback <laughs> of the Packers. Um, I you you probably won't find anybody that roots against him as hard as I do that respects him as much as I do. Um, look, he's 13 and three. He's 13 and two, right? He didn't start one game. Right. Uh, that's after losing the first game. The guy's unbelievable. I mean, you guys have 10 turnovers as a team that starts with him. It's number one in the NFL. There's nothing about him. And I understand there were things during the off season and things in season, whatever. Um, but as far as, leading the team and winning games. I don't know what there is about him that doesn't say MVP because everything that leads to the bottom line, which is winning says MVP. I mean, look, you, you, you lost a, a dominant pass rusher. Uh, you've, you've gone through other injuries, but this guy is the constant. And I look, Whatever Hub wants to believe, Hub can believe. I don't have a vote, but if I did have a vote, I can't imagine where I would go outside of Aaron Rodgers. So uh, just everything to me adds up to what that is supposed to represent. Does the off-field soap opera get a little old sometimes? Yeah, it does. I'm not close to it. I don't really know what's going on. But I know this, every single Sunday when it's time to win, that dude shows up, and that's to me, um, he would get my vote, without a doubt. Good stuff, Dan. Pre- uh, appreciate it, as always. We'll talk to you come the offseason, okay? You got it. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. Dan Miller, the voice, uh, the radio play-by-play voice of the Detroit Lions, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Really good stuff from Dan.